work from home, I think a lot of times means work always. Like you've got to always be working 24 seven around the clock. And that's actually really hindering to working from home. So it's kind of about managing your energy, managing yourself, but more than anything, being aware of when you're pushing yourself beyond your limit, because then you start becoming you know, reckless or reactive uh, rather than being creative. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Todd, who is a passionate entrepreneurial sales and marketing leader with over 25 years of experience. Todd has worked in very large organizations, but also launched multiple businesses with some successful exits to Flipkart and Home Depot. Listen on to find out how Todd has been able to help businesses scale and grow. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to speak with my guest today, Todd. Hey Todd, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. It's great to hear from you. Can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, I love the idea of an offbeat life. I think I've always been a little bit of a nomad in my life anyway, wanting to do things a little bit differently. And living an offbeat life to me has has always been about freedom. Like I'm a big, big believer in the freedom of your schedule. You own your schedule. It doesn't own you. Take life by the horns and just, just be out there and enjoy that freedom. And I think because it's a huge value for me, then it's, it's made me really want to choose to live this sort of offbeat, remote, digital nomad kind of life. And even the jobs that I've chosen, even though I was running a large company, we, we did this version of a free work style, right? Where you just get the work done. It doesn't matter whether you're doing it at 2 a.m. Uh, on a Saturday, it's up to you. You work your life around your job instead of your job rules your life. So this is why I've always chosen to do it for myself is this value of freedom. It's so interesting how for most of the jobs, a nine to five, most people are really unproductive, right? Because yeah. it's not really working for when they're at their most productive. It's when you're told you should be productive. So for someone like you, Todd, who did a workaround and you ran a company that was doing this, that is pretty incredible. And that's pretty unorthodox for a lot of companies. How did you manage to do this and realize this was more productive? I mean, it's all about the people that you hire as well. One of my really good friends, her her name's Christina, and she's um, from Slovakia. And I met her when I lived in London. And that in itself, that phrase that I just said shows you that, you know, she is this nomad and I am as well. As we met in London randomly, we started working together and just hiring people like her and other great people to work with in the company who just 
had this same value of it's about the work we're doing. It's about the momentum we're wanting to create. It's not about the amount of hours we punch in and set behind a desk. Uh, I mean, I've done so much of my work from coffee shops, from hotel rooms, from outside in a park. I mean, it's crazy. When I here in Austin, they have those scooters everywhere, right? Those electronic scooters. Yeah. And so there are times where I'm just like, I need a bubble tea. I need uh, to get on a scooter and I need to just ride around the Capitol and I need to clear my head and I'll stop at the Capitol and sit on the lawn and take a phone call. It's just, it just makes more sense to have that freedom and to give yourself the spaciousness. And the way we were able to do it is by hiring like-minded people. I can agree on the bubble tea and working from anywhere. (laughs) There's nothing a good bubble tea won't solve. That's my philosophy. I can agree on that. Check check on that. Yeah. <laughs> so Todd, let's start from the beginning because a lot of people who are listening to this are asking, okay, Todd, that's really great that you're able to do this. You can ride around in your scooter getting as much bubble tea as you want. But how did you start? How did you become a remote worker? How did you not end up in a nine to five hating it and you know being miserable right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I definitely lived in the nine to five world and hated it. Um, and it's, it's a lot of the driver behind why I choose not to do that anymore. So, I mean, I think it starts early when I got, when I got out of university, I spent about nine years traveling, working, I'm a musician, so I wasn't traveling necessarily with a band, but I was working with, um, teenagers that were, uh, had, had a lot of trouble in their life and we were putting together bands and, uh, using music as sort of therapy a little bit. Now, that did not pay the bills, but it was a hell of a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. And so I've kind of always had this, this notion of just like really being free. So when I, my kids were little, I needed to put diapers on them. I needed to feed them. You know, I decided it's time for me to get a real job, and I went to work for this company, Dell. And I still have a huge passion in my heart for Dell because Dell really, really focuses and appreciates work-life balance. They always have, even from the day that I started. And, you know, I think everybody has different experience with the same company, but that was my experience. My experience was they supported and they really wanted you to have work-life balance. And I chose that. I had a job that, yes, I, it was, could have been a nine to five, but I worked East coast hours. I got, I was in central time. So I got to work at seven and I left at three fifty-nine, and I just worked really, really hard during those times. And what I think that taught me is that when I was doing a job later on where I had more freedom and more space is that it's not about when you put the hours in, it's about how you put the hours in and how effective those hours actually are. And I started really thinking this, but what really shifted my mindset is when I read Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Day Workweek, and I started going, this is the philosophy that I felt and had, just didn't know how to put the context and words around it. So I, I, what I would say to people, to your question, who are out there going like, yeah, how do, I, how do I become, how do I do this for myself, is it doesn't happen overnight. You have to start slowly. You have to really find out what values you have. And if that doesn't fit in the company that you're in, get out and do something different. Work for a company that supports your values and move your way into this life and the life that you actually want where you can do work-life balance. I think this has happened to me and a lot of people that I've spoken to is you see other people living out their dream like you and 
you think, oh, well, for me, that's not going to happen. Maybe I'm at a nine to five that just doesn't translate to remote working. You know, Todd works for Dell. I don't do that. I'm not a technical person. And there's always a barrier, not even that other people put towards you, but you put to yourself, right? Because that can easily be remedied. I'm pretty sure you have skills that can be transferred into remote skills, or you can actually learn it. I mean, there's so many freebies, like there's so many free courses out there right now that you can learn. If you really want to do it, you're going to do it. So it's, I think for the most part, it's just mental blocks that are really stopping us and saying, okay, yeah, whatever. That's not going to happen to me. Yeah. I, I, I want to add to this as well, too. I like what you're saying. And, and what I want to add is it is very much a mindset thing. It's very much how you approach it. I had a really high level job at Dell uh, back in the, 10 years ago. And I had a team of people I hired, I thought, really stellar team that were able to really do the work and do the job well. They did it so well. They always made me look good. And I also empowered them to actually take on things for themselves and do, do it the way that they wanted to do it. I gave them a lot of space and freedom to do it. And during that time, that two years, I spent very little time at the office. Most of my time was spent with either, either the team as a remote where they were remote, or we would have certain times where we came in and met in the office to kind of get that office feel. But we did a lot of our work. It could be done from home. It could be done from coffee shops. And, you know, there are times where I did one-on-ones over a trip to Sonic. I know that sounds crazy, but like, (laughs) let's get out of these four walls. Let's, you know, walk across the street and set outdoor, grab a Sonic, have a, have a drink and just sit there and have our one-on-one there. It just created more spaciousness. So it is a mental thing that you sort of like have to mentally decide you're going to create space in your work. When you work from home, Todd, because this is what a lot of people who are just starting out, this is one of the setbacks that you go through is staying motivated, being productive, especially when you don't have coworkers to push you through or a boss, right? How do you do that for yourself and also the people that you work with? Yeah, it's a, that's an awesome question. And it's all about being aware of where you are at that current state. So what I mean by that is... I may be sitting at my desk and I'm just not feeling it. Like I can't think, I can't, I can't even write anything on a whiteboard. I can't type an email. Like I just can't do it right now. And that happens to all of us, especially when you're working from home, just not feeling it. The best thing you can do for yourself is get up and go ride your exercise bike for 30 minutes or go down and, and make yourself a, drive yourself a Topo Chico, right? And, and, just take a little break, set in the cool if it's hot, and just refresh. And this is what work from home, I think, a lot of times means work always. Like you've got to always be working 24-7 around the clock, and that's actually really hindering to working from home. So it's kind of about managing your energy, managing yourself, but more than anything, being aware of when you're pushing yourself beyond your limit because then you start becoming you know reckless or reactive uh, rather than being creative. 
creating a pattern for yourself and also having a schedule is definitely something that we all need. I think when I first started doing this, working from home or even not even starting before then, I thought, oh, I'm going to have so much freedom. It's just going to be all great. And then you realize that if you don't set a schedule for yourself, that it just goes <laughs> downhill from yeah. there. And you have to be even more diligent than when you were in your nine to five. Otherwise, you're just going to be like Netflix and eating. And that's all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree that having some form of a schedule is important to some people. But I also want to highlight that other people probably thrive in a less scheduled, um, more broad view. So for instance, maybe, you know, maybe Mondays are the day that you do X, Y, you know, and, and Tuesdays you do this, right. And that way, to, to me, I've always been more motivated by the task of what I need to do rather than the amount of time or the time that I need to sit down. I would literally die if I said, okay, from eight to four, eight to five, I'm going to have, I'm going to be in my office and that's my work time. Like I, that wouldn't work for me because th- to me, that's like being handcuffed to the chair. It would be better to say these days I'm going to get these things done I'm much more motivated that way. However, there are people who are very motivated by a very tight schedule from 8.30 to 9, I need to do these emails. Okay, great. So I would say the personality type probably has to set whether the schedule is tighter or looser. I love that. And also, this is one of the things that a lot of um, remote workers and location independent entrepreneurs really love about this lifestyle is the freedom to choose how you schedule your days. And this is what's like one of the best things about this lifestyle, right? Because you know, you can't do this. You can't take a break in the middle of the day and just start bicycling and getting mochaccino and, you know, a bubble tea somewhere, right? So I love the fact that we become more productive when we have more freedom to do what we want. (laughs) Yeah, I fully agree with that. And it's, it's empowering when you can give yourself the freedom too, because there are times where we, we get in into this, I should, I should mindset I should be doing work right now. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing that as opposed to what's possible. What's possible for me today? What would I like to see done today? What is that going to require of me? What, what energy am I going to have to put into this to actually get this done? This is a lot better, more productive way of thinking than the, uh, you know, I should really be doing this. Because then it's just, it's easier to put things off. It's easier to procrastinate. And trust me, like I'm a huge procrastinator, but I've learned how to manage my energy in a way to where I know what gives me life and I know what doesn't. And I'm going to spend as much time on the things that give me life because then it helps me do the things that don't give me life that you just have to do. It definitely makes you learn so much about yourself, right? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It's a great thing, though. You learn the good and the bad things about you and you learn to change that too. Otherwise, you're just not going to (laughs) thrive. Yeah, for sure. So right now, Todd, as an entrepreneur, what has been the biggest setback that you are encountering and how do you handle them? Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur right now, there's huge setbacks with what's going on in the world with the pandemic. And I think for me personally, recently I had uh, some funding. I was working at a, was working for a company for some founders and I was setting up something here in the U.S., and uh, that funding um, got pulled because of COVID. 
So I found myself with really nothing to do and I needed to start thinking about what I was going to do next. And I had this initial approach of, oh my gosh, you know, I've got to go get a contract with somebody. I got to figure something out. And I finally was having this conversation with my wife and I was just like, you know what? Like I wanted to take some time off, like, you know, eight or nine or 10 weeks straight off. And I've never done that in my life. And I wanted to take the sabbatical next year in 2021. And I was actually even planning it. I said, you know what? I'm going to look at this as a gift that maybe this is the time that I do it. So I actually just came off of an (laughs) eight-week sabbatical. For the last eight weeks, I have literally done no work, nothing, which is the first time I've ever done that since I was 15, probably. And so I think as an entrepreneur, what's you, you asked the question, what's really impacting me right now? What's impacting me is how do I now take what I've learned over the last eight weeks and re-engage into doing something else that I know requires a lot of energy, starting something, putting something together, working for somebody, whatever requires energy. So how do I take what I've learned from this slow, this pause that I've had in my life to actually bring that into what's next for me so that I can bring some of the joy, some of the freedom, some of the ways that I've been living and experiencing the last eight weeks into the work that I'm about to approach. Being grateful right now is really hard, right? Because there's so many losses. And I think what you ended up learning is this is what you needed. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. it's kind of crazy how even in moments like this, we can find something to see as a positive because it can really easily be depressing and you can go down a really big hole of darkness when when things like this happen. So that's that's always good to to look at and obviously it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but <laughs> that's not the only thing we can think about, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and I think one other thing that's it's taught me is like, you know, as an entrepreneur, you kind of work for the moment and you work for kind of a pot at the end of the rainbow as an entrepreneur, usually that's what you're working for. And you don't spend a lot of time per planning for something like that's happened in the world. And I think that it's going to, it's definitely going to make me rethink how I'm, you know, positioning myself financially, how I'm, um, you know, preparing myself in the future so that if there is a, a loss or a cut or something like that, it's not such a big hit, right? It's not such a, it's not such a drastic hit. And I know, I know a lot of, a lot of entrepreneur friends are really struggling right now. They're trying to get funding and just uh, the whole bottom fell out. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's important to prepare and plan in your life, even as an entrepreneur. And we don't always do that. So what would you say that is something that you learned with this pandemic that has happened, this crisis that has happened, that you would be changing in your business model that will help you just in case anything happens again in the future? Yeah. I mean, I think I think that there's a, a little bit more conservative approach that probably needs to happen from an entrepreneur standpoint. And being an entrepreneur is risky anyway, but there are ways to sort of hedge your bets a little bit too. And so I think for me, it's it's probably more just looking at what is sort of the the path forward how do you take that with the riskiness of being an entrepreneur but still a little bit hedging your bets too meaning maybe you're not going to you know go out so far on the limb before you start sawing it <laughs> uh, you know 
And, and so I think that, you know, there's this, this idea of an entrepreneur jumps off the mountain and builds their wings on the way down that maybe it's a little bit like, let's maybe have at least one wing built or have something prepared so that when we jump off that cliff, there is some fallback. There is some, because it's really uncertain right now. I think it's uncertain probably for the next couple of years in this environment. And so how do we as entrepreneurs, as founders, as people who are doing things on our own, approach this a little bit differently? Yeah. Again, so many learning from all of this that we can really take into the future, into our business that in some ways is a blessing in disguise because now we're more prepared and unfortunately it had to to go to this. So hopefully we'll we'll just become better in, in the future. So Todd, before any of this happened, did you and your family travel while you worked? And if you did, what were some of the best places that you have found that you were able to balance both work and play at the same time? Yeah, it, it touches on something because I so miss traveling and we have traveled the world. We've traveled all over the place. And, uh, you know, we lived in, in Dubai uh, a couple of years ago. And then we lived in London before that a couple of times. And then we've just spent a lot of time traveling. Uh, like I said, I used to work on the road like crazy. I might be in Taiwan doing some work for the US or I might be, you know, in Australia doing something. And so, like, I really miss that freedom and that uh, experience of being able to sort of work anywhere. And I think it's important to kind of like highlight that it's it's not necessarily about a place. I mean, you say, what are the best places? I mean, obviously there's incredible places like Singapore and, you know, London and Berlin and, you know, different places around the world, South Africa, where it's just an amazing place to work. And I don't think, I think the world is your remote, right? It's not necessarily a specific place. It's how you show up in that place and it's how you step into different cultures and learn from them and not expect them to be a Western culture if you're somewhere that it's not. And just really being open to the people and the environment. And it's such a learning to be able to travel and do this sort of stuff. And, you know, I really miss that um, for sure. It's definitely a privilege for all of us to be able to travel and see all these different cultures. And I do agree with you on that is you can't expect a place to be similar or the same as where you come from. Otherwise, you shouldn't travel if that's what you want, <laughs> right? It's yeah. it's kind of crazy to me when I see people complaining about certain things and I'm like, well, then why did you come here? It's going to be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we expect a lot of times that when we go, it's just, it should just be like our way. And, you know, it used to frustrate me a lot when, when I when I lived in, in London, I would see so many Americans who came to London and I'd be like, oh, no, I see why the I see why the Brits kind of roll their eyes at us when <laughs> when we come because, you know, they'd be saying things and, you know, doing things and just expecting things to be a certain way. And it's just like, you know, step into a country and, and look and appreciate what's different about it. When I went to Dubai, I mean, wow, you talk about a different world, like way different world. But I have literally met some of my best friends in this world in Dubai. And I think it's, I think it's just being open to a culture, being open to learning and not expecting, you know, something, something's going to be a certain way. And I always 
uh, intentionally did not look for groups of people that were like me. So for instance, when I lived in Dubai, I had a lot of people like, oh, there's an American group. Like, I really don't, I, I live in Dubai. Like, I don't really want to be around a bunch of Americans <laughs> because I, I, I'm an American, but that doesn't mean that I have to take my bubble around the world with me, right? And I did the same in, in England. Our kids went to British schools when we were there. And I think it's important just to not become that culture, but embrace it and appreciate it. I love that type of traveling when you're really going out of your comfort zone because that can be very hard, especially in the beginning when you're trying to find your footing in a different country, especially if you don't know the language and how people behave and act. It's also a form of respect, right? It's really how we should think about this. When you're traveling to a certain place, you have to respect it. Like you expect people to respect you when when they come to see you. It's like being in somebody's home. You don't start, you know, nagging or complaining about things. That's just plain rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also when I when I traveled a lot, there's a couple of practices I did when I traveled all over the world. Is I would do a little research ahead of time. I'd try to find somebody who maybe was in similar work that I was, or had a, a similar hobby or, or passion as mine. And I would, you know, you can do this, you can find this out on Google really fast from LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. And I would connect with these people ahead of time say, Hey, listen, I'm coming. For instance, I connected with this guy who had a really interesting background in Russia and he had been ousted because of some of the things he had said about, uh, he was a, a journalist and he had been ousted from his job because he had said some really derogatory in their mind to the Orthodox church and they kicked him out of being the journalist of this magazine. And I was like, wow, what an interesting, interesting dude. He was really into art and all this kind of stuff. And so I just sent him a, a note and connected with him and said, listen, I'm, I'm going to be in Moscow and I, I would love to meet you for coffee. And he did. He met me. And then I asked those people like, you know, hey, what are the things I should see and what food should I eat? And so I did this a lot traveling around the world. And I really encouraged like nomads and people who are traveling around, they kind of probably know this naturally. but people who are wanting to do this is just to reach out to people who you might have share a passion or share an interest in and connect with them before you go to that country. And you just never know. I mean, I've had people take me to crazy places that I never probably could have got into if I didn't know a local. It's really true. You already have a built-in friendship once you step foot in that country, which is incredible, right? And with social media now, with Facebook groups, with Instagram, there's so many available spots for you to find these people that it's not like 30 or 40 years ago, you really have to dig into it. Yeah. You know, now it's, it's easy. Yeah, it's, it's easy so now. easy. Yeah. That's a really good tip, Todd. And yeah definitely do that once we can start traveling again. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, We're waiting for that to happen. Hopefully it's not going to take too long, but who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens. So Tad, let's fast forward to 30 to 40 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Well, first of all, I hope I'm still alive in 40 years. <laughs> so I would be 90. I would be 90 years old. So that would be amazing. It's interesting question because I'm not a huge like legacy. I have to be remembered for something kind of person. And I know that may sound a little weird. I'm more about what am I doing today um, with the people around me. And for me, the important part to me is that I have had a really good life 
that I have, you know, been able to influence and impact and inspire the people around me who, who are in my family, who have worked with and for me and the folks that I've worked for. I think what I would want to be remembered for as is the person that was fun and inspiring and gave people um, some creative thinking around how they can live their lives. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible legacy, especially if it's directly within your family and your children, you know, that really makes an, for you at least, it makes a huge impact because it'll be taking down to generation to generation and how your children will also be living their life, which is really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Todd, for being here with us today. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? You know, they can connect with me on LinkedIn is probably the best place. And I would love uh, love for anybody to connect with me. You can just check out my LinkedIn and we could share some uh, some conversations or network. And that would be awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Todd. We really appreciate you for being here and sharing with us your incredible story. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Todd. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to build, leverage, and share your network as a remote worker. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one -on -one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold. <laughs>